Welcome in to the Get Out of Porn podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wilkie. In this week's episode, I want to take a look at some common terms. I was speaking with a friend of mine recently that uh, listens to the podcast. I appreciate it. Shout out to Matt. And he was talking about, you know, we can, he's, he's somebody who is well familiar with the concepts and the ideas and everything else. And he said, you know, sometimes we can talk on these high levels, but maybe the person who's just starting to come out of the addiction doesn't know some of these terms. If you don't know some of the terms, I, pre- I, I would appreciate any feedback you can give me. I would love to um, be able to explain anything that you don't understand, but I wanted to devote an entire episode to maybe some things that the average listener might not fully understand what I'm saying because, man, I can throw these terms out. I've been in this for a long time. I've been in recovery for a long time. I'm Obviously, I'm, I'm a counselor, a therapist, and so I know these things and am familiar with these concepts and these ideas and these terms that that sometimes I can just throw out and assume that everybody knows. And so that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to do a podcast that just explains some simple terms. And I know I'm. it's not going to be comprehensive. I've actually spent a little while thinking about what all terms do I need to bring to the table? What things do I just randomly throw out that maybe doesn't make as much sense? And one that Matt suggested I'm actually going to start with. We're going to go in a um, alphabetical order. And hopefully that really helps us with, uh, so you can go back and, and rewind and if you need to and pick up the terms. And so the first term that I wanted to clarify is acting out. Acting out. What do we mean by acting out? That simply is somebody who is going into their addiction, right? They're giving into their addiction. They are, uh, whether that be masturbation, whether that be pornography, that might be prostitution, uh, massage parlors, whatever it is. Obviously, this podcast is about getting out of porn, but I realize sex addiction takes many different forms. Acting out is when you are pursuing those more than you're pursuing sobriety. You are, and, and really, it's relapsing, I guess. Um, and I'm not going to define relapse because I think most people understand what relapse is, but that's what we mean by acting out. When you are acting as you're not supposed to, you're you're kind of, yeah, uh, it's, it's a pretty simple concept, I guess, overall, but some people may say, what do you mean by acting out? It just means that you are running toward your addiction, you are relapsing, you are no longer sober, and you're going toward porn, masturbation, whatever it may be. Acting out actually can be different for each person because somebody may say, well, I'm not acting out. I masturbated, but I didn't look at porn. You have to define what you view as sobriety. I view all of that as sobriety. You're not masturbating. You're not You're not engaging in illicit um, sexual things, behaviors, right? That might be masturbation. That might be viewing pornography. Or somebody might say, well, I viewed porn, but I didn't masturbate. Therefore, I didn't act out. No, you're still pursuing the addiction. The second term I want to define is addiction. And I know I've defined this before, especially going back to episode maybe, I want to say three, um, where it was bad habit or addiction. But what is addiction? How do we define addiction? Actually, uh, in, in his book, Dr. Michael Barda, in his book, Tinsa, actually has some good notes on it, but he quotes Robert Weiss. Uh, Dr. Weiss is well-known in this community and is a a former sex addict himself, but he puts it as um, sexual addiction is a dysfunctional preoccupation with sexual fantasy and behavior, often involving the obsessive pursuit of non-intimate sex, pornography, compulsive masturbation, romantic intensity, and objectified partner sex. Weiss continues this definition to assert that this adult obsessive pattern of thoughts and behaviors continues for a period of at least six months despite the following. So you are engaging in these things at least six months despite these three following things. First, despite attempts made to self-correct the problematic sexual behavior. Number two, despite promises made to self and others to change the sexual behavior. 
And number three, despite significant directly related negative life consequences. How do I know I'm addicted? Well, are you, have you tried stopping and can't? Have you made promises maybe to your wife or to your parents or to somebody else that you're going to or to yourself that you're going to and you can't? Or have you had maybe a, a again, a negative life consequence? You lost your job. Your family is, uh, your wife is leaving you. Your kids no longer talk to you. You know, you're now facing jail time based on how far it's gotten you. I mean, those are the type of things that we're looking for in addiction. You may say, well, I haven't had that happen. If your addiction was found out, would it happen? If, if your behavior, I should say, was found out. Let's say your wife walks in on it. Do you think she'd leave you? And do you think you'd be able to stop? You may delude yourself and say, absolutely, I could stop. Could you? Would you? If this is something that's a big part of your life, and despite the many attempts you've made to stop, you continue to, well, then that would seem to lend toward you are addicted and it's not just a bad habit. When we talk about addiction, we're talking about people who really struggle with stopping. They can't stop. And they are preoccupied with getting this and with wanting it. And and it's all that's on their mind. So that's addiction. Next, we have agency. I talk about, do you have agency? And what I mean by agency, it's very basic. It's freedom. It's freedom. You know, are you, when we talk about, does does do you have agency? Or whatever it may be. It's are you taking yourself? Do you are you in control of yourself basically, and and are being self controlled in X, Y, or Z? Using your freedom, using your self control, and acting upon it. So when we talk about the agency, I may use that term um, time and again, but that's more of what I mean by agency. Is more on the kind of self control level and the freedom of you have the agency to do this. That means I have the ability. It's kind of like you might say a seventeen year old has the agency to drive to the store. Well, because he now has the ability to, and he has the freedom to. So that's agency. Fourth is behavioral approach. I'll say, well, we don't want to do just strict behavioral approach. And you may say, what in the world? What do you mean by behavioral approach? How does this, it's a bad behavior, so all of this is technically a behavioral approach, right? No, when we talk about behavioral approach, we're talking about things like understanding your triggers, getting accountable, getting covenant eyes or software on your computer, putting some behavioral things in place initially. You're not hitting the root of the problem. You're not doing trauma work. You're not doing the kind of deep root work of where this came from. You are merely working on fixing the behavior. And so a lot of books are written about, well, you know what? If you just tell somebody or if you just put the software on there, if you pop your wrist every time you think about it or wear a rubber band every time you think about it, or if you just um, take cold showers or find other things that are going to replace the addiction, all of those are great All of those are behavioral. You're merely trying to change one behavior for the other. I'm not a behavioral counselor, therapist. Uh, I am am a trauma-informed, as they might say. And I'll go out of my uh, ABC approach here just to say, what is trauma-informed? It means we realize trauma informs a lot of your life. And I am somebody who is specialized in trauma work. Brain spotting, internal family systems, things like that can help with trauma. So when you come to me for therapy... You don't just get the book thrown at you of, hey, well, have you ever thought of just stopping your triggers, you know, avoiding your triggers? Have you ever thought of getting accountable? Those are great first steps. We'll talk about that in the first session or two, but then we have to get into the root problem of like the core negative beliefs, which is just the things that you believe that usually come from trauma. I'm a worthless person. I'm not worthy of love. Things like that that start from maybe your dad physically abusing you or from friends leaving you out constantly throughout your childhood, those type of things. So the behavioral approach doesn't seek to deal with it. It seeks to fix or correct the behavior 
And porn is so much more than just a bad behavior. Next, we have betrayal trauma. I believe this is number five, betrayal trauma. I'll throw that out there. We've talked about it with wives, but what do I mean by betrayal trauma? When we act out and when our wives find out that we've acted out, it does betray them. It betrays their trust, and it's a traumatic wound, which I'll define trauma toward the end. That's T. That's the last one I'll define, but it's, it is a wound that is created internally, this emotional wound, and it's full of betrayal because they thought that they were the desire, the the um, yeah, the only one you desired, the object of desire, the object of affection. And instead, you're looking at girls online, and so they feel betrayed. They feel like you cheated on them, and hence betrayal trauma. I mean, just basic as that. And we know when it comes to discoveries. Discovery one, she's just very sad, confused. How could this happen? Discovery two, she's very angry. You promised. You told me you wouldn't do these things. Discovery three is when they hit PTSD. When's the next shoe gonna drop? They're hyper vigilant, hyper aware of. What's going to happen next? That's not a place you want your wife is in PTSD mode because she doesn't know when you're going to act out next. She doesn't trust you. That's all part of betrayal trauma. And in this, hurt people hurt people. Is that they say, right? She's hurt, and so she's going to hurt you. She's going to say incredibly mean things, and what she's doing is she's reaching out, trying to cause you to feel the hurt that she feels. We have to stay grounded in who we are, but that's through a lot of therapy work. Otherwise, we we react and we say, well, that's not true at all, and you always hated me, and we run to the addiction to solve our problems because it causes us to trigger the core negative belief. I feel worthless. My wife is telling me I'm worthless. Therefore, I'm going to go act out. We have to be better. We have to be in foundation, which I'll, I'll explain in just a second. So that's betrayal trauma. Then we have compulsivity. This is exactly as it sounds. It's when you are doing or or repeating a behavior you have a tendency for this repetitive habitual behavior that despite the negative consequences you are acting out if you just google compulsivity it literally comes up as it refers to a tendency toward repetitive habitual actions repeated despite adverse consequences simple as that that's what we mean by compulsivity you can't stop it's compulsive next we have dysregulation versus regulation we say, well, you're dysregulated. What in the world do you mean by dysregulated? I've never heard that term before. What it means is you're not in a good emotional place. Once again, we go back to Dr. Barta uh, with his book Tinsa for this because he has a great definition. He says, emotional dysregulation is emotional reactions that are not considered normal or mood swings. We're out of control emotionally. We have these high swings toward we're excited down to man, we are in, in the dumps. And we're dysregulated. We get angry out of nowhere. We get really sad or depressed out of nowhere. This is when we're emotionally dysregulated. We're not in a good place emotionally where we can be stable. Doesn't mean, you know, in stability we can be sad, but there's a stability to it. We are reacting to whatever's happening. We see something sad on TV, we get sad. Something, you know, something angering happens in our life, we get angry. But you can also hear regulation as how do we regulate and when we talk about regulating things, these are substances or behaviors to help us cope with an adverse experience. So let's say we're triggered by our trauma and it throws us into dysregulation. Porn is a regulating thing because it helps pull us back into normal emotions, so to speak. We are starting to feel worthless. We're starting to go into depression. And what do we do? We look at porn, we masturbate, we act out, and we're back toward kind of our foundation, which is the next thing that I would define. And actually looking at the time, we're going to stop at foundation. We're going to do a part two and we're going to discuss future tripping and her child, trauma, so a couple other terms. 
next week uh, because I don't want to go too long and, and there's a lot of terms that need uh, exploring or explaining. And if you have more terms, then let me know during this week. I also am going to start releasing these on Saturday so everybody's aware. These these podcasts not no longer Friday at 6. I have been inconsistent on that some because my weeks are crazy up to Thursday. Friday is actually one of my easier, lighter days. We're going to start releasing these on Saturday uh, going forward, so just be aware of that. But let me quickly define foundation. As we talk about dysregulation versus regulation, and regulation being or the regulating things being like porn that put us back into to our foundation, we don't want to use porn to regulate. We want to use appropriate things like reaching out to others to regulate our, our emotions, talking to our wife about our emotions, about the fact that I feel very dysregulated. I'm, I'm out of out of sorts, as some people might say, um, instead of running to our addiction. But what do we talk about with foundation? The foundation really is all about how our brain and our nervous system kind of works together. And when we are in our foundation, it means we're really focused on the frontal lobe, which is more of like the... This is key to our regulation, It's and this is all found in TINSA here. Um, so if you are interested, again, Dr. Michael Barta, T-I-N-S-A. Look at that book, Trauma-Induced Sexual Addiction. Fantastic book. But our frontal lobe is, as he says, it makes us human. It allows us to bargain with our instincts instead of automatically acting on them. And so we want that to be in control. We want that to be the thing that's regulated. Foundations, when we are in control, we're in a really good spot mentally, and, and our emotions are not overrunning our logic. When you see people make really stupid mistakes and go, man, how did you do that? It's because they allowed the emotion to quickly get in there before they logically process through something. So we want to make sure that we are, once again, in foundation and logically able to stay in charge. The frontal lobe is, is working and is acting, uh, is, is acting the way that it's supposed to. But when we describe like a sympathetic or, or limbic response to something, what that means is we experience high levels of emotion. We're out of the foundation. We've left that foundation and we're no longer calm, we're no longer logical, we are experiencing, once again, higher levels of emotion. So we feel angry, threatened, offended, hurt, scared, things like that, at high levels. And it's easy to act on being scared, it's easy to act on being angry, it's easy to act on extreme anxiety, or whatever it may be. So when we're living in the sympathetic response, sympathetic sounds good, but in this uh, case, especially with the nervous system, it just means we're experiencing crazy emotions at the top. On the bottom, though, if you're looking at this kind of on a sheet and you have the foundation as this, this cushion right down the middle, you go above it, that's sympathetic. You go below it, that's parasympathetic, and we call it having a dorsal vagal or vagal reaction, V-A-G-A-L. Uh, we, we say going dorsal. You may uh, hear me say going dorsal as I talk, and once again, you may go, what in the world does that mean? It means we're going parasympathetic. We're getting to the depressive point. Instead of feeling high levels of emotion, we're actually numbing out and we are cutting ourselves off emotionally and we're feeling very, again, depressed, despondent, numb, things like that. This is all part of the fight, flight, or freeze response. The fight is, of course, going, you know, going to the heightened levels of emotion. That could be fight or flight. You know, the freeze a lot of times is where we hit with the um, going dorsal, is we just kind of numb out and we don't want to feel anything. But we know we're in this state according to Tensa, when we feel cold, numb, dizzy, frozen, hollow, disconnected, spacey, heavy, nauseous, queasy, stuck, hopeless, helpless, blocked, confused, or entirely submissive. It's a dissociation from everything. Well, when we're dissociated, when we're really starting to feel that, we're really starting to go toward depression or whatever, to this numbness, what do we do? We act out, we, we you know get into porn and actually can sometimes pull us out of it before it sends us 
through it, you know, right back, right back down to it. So we actually sometimes porn can shoot us up into our foundation or down into our foundation, depending on whether we're sympathetic or parasympathetic. And that's why it can feel so good. It can feel so regulating at times is it actually is putting us briefly in foundation before we shoot right through it. And we either get highly angry at ourselves going from the parasympathetic up to sympathetic, or we can be sympathetic and it can drop us down into depression. And you see these emotional swings. Guess what? We're dysregulated. How do we get regulated? We use porn again. So you find yourself on this roller coaster trying to seek out foundation, that middle point where logic and calmness are in control, where those things reign. That's what we're trying to get back to. We're trying to allow our nervous system to be calm, and we want to do calming things. Again, reaching out to people, coloring and drawing, um, journaling and writing down our emotions, Whatever it may be, things like that are very calming and they're reassuring and they keep the logic in control, meaning we are in foundation. Your wife comes in, she starts screaming at you, we want to stay in foundation. We want to remind ourselves that we're okay, we're safe, instead of we, we hit parasympathetic, and, or rather we hit sympathetic and we scream at them, or we hit parasympathetic and we go despondent and they get even more upset because we've now pulled away. So that's what I mean by foundation. I hope this has helped on the terminology front. Again, we're going to do part two next week just due to length, but stay tuned for that. We will get into some others. Once again, reach out to me. If you have some that you say, you keep using this term and I don't know what it means, Counseling at gmail.com, W-I-L-K-I-E, J-O-E-W-I-L-K-I-E, counseling at gmail.com. I'd love to get your emails, um, and again, I will put it in the show, but once again, shout out to Matt. Thank you for the suggestion, and thank you all for listening. I will talk to you again next week.